probably in the year of our Lord, 1998. Sounds a long time ago, hey? <laughs> that this thing that I'll show you came up, um, and, and somebody gave me this to use. You're all laughing, but in 1998, this was major. It was absolutely major. It was a Nokia 1610. Incredible. Loved it. And then as time goes on, you have to keep on improving because the old needs to become new. And so a couple of years later, whoa, look at what I started using then. That was a Nokia 9100 um, communicator, they called it. It was very nice. People loved, people loved uh, mocking me, saying I'm carrying a brick around, which was fine, but that brick did a great work and service for me. Um, as as life goes on, you know what happens. People, I don't know. This is something that is not going to last. So, um, as time goes on in life, you've got to keep on improving, and the old needs to become new again. And so the latest is what we call the. Um, and I mean, this is for. Sorry, I couldn't find an Android example or Samsung on the net. Um, I just could find iPhone. And, and so this is the latest iPhone that's around. For those of you that have never been informed about true technology, have a look and grasp and <gasps> go stand in awe. But anyway, so that's what happens in life is we're very aware of the old becoming new. And, and what it does to us, all these physical things that we so often see, you drive around and you're like, oh, that's a new car or this is a new whatever it is. How many of you are very aware of the fact that old often becomes Mm, there's a lot of things that that need to become new because we want to say, well, this is too old. I need to kind of exchange it for something new. And the danger is the following. That we, we are so aware of things in the physical needing to become new that we desensitize ourselves for the new things that God has done for us. Because we're always talking about the new around there. Come on, I'm part of that. Have you seen the latest? Have you seen this new, whatever it is? Oh, the newlyweds or the new baby, and that's wonderful to have. But the things that God has done for us in the Spirit, new things that He has brought about in our lives, we often forget about those things. And so over the next couple of weeks, this is what we want to do as a church. And, and as elders, we want to talk about this thing, that all things are new. And, and that's the series title that we want to focus on. All things new. We want to focus on the, the topic called new. There's a lot of new things that we are seeing out there. But there's so few new things that we speak about in the word. And, and so hence we want to talk about the new from God's perspective. Is that okay? And so this morning I want to talk, you about, talk to you about something incredibly new. Something that profoundly can change our lives if we fully grasp hold of what it is that He's done. And that's the new covenant. So today our focus is on the new covenant. And we're going to take you through a number of verses. So get ready. If your Bible is with you, the physical one, get it all untangled. And if you've got a device on you, uh, an, an iPhone that can swipe or a other same whatever thing that can possibly try to do the same, then you're welcome to do it, or if it's a whatever make you have. But anyway, so I want to talk about this concept 
and this beautiful new thing that God has given us called the new covenant. And we've got to start off with the word covenant. Because sometimes we don't know what that means and we don't fully understand it. And, and the word covenant really is, as of Latin origin, it means a coming together or making an agreement. So when we talk about the new covenant, we've got to understand that there's an agreement that was made that's new. There was an old one, but there's a new one that has come. And covenant in a biblical sense is where God initiated and confirmed His promises and stipulations or working arrangement with humanity. And the notes are there. You can just go through them, Tash, as we, um, I'll, you'll hear for what I'm saying and then you can follow me. I want to just say that the word covenant has another word to it called testament. So when we look at the Bible and we say the old and the new testament, we're actually saying the old covenant and the new covenant. And so when you look in the Bible and you see these two Portions. How many Bibles in the Old Covenant? How many, how many books, rather? 39. And how many in the New Covenant? Come on, come on. 27. 27. Together that makes 66. And so we're in the Old Testament. When we talk about the Old Covenant, we are given details of how God made a covenant with Israel. All right? That's the Old Testament or the Old Covenant was marked. God and Israel. In the New Testament or the New Covenant, we see how God makes this incredible agreement with who? Who's involved? If the Old Testament it was Israel, who's, who's in the New Testament? Hey? What about the Jews? You're excluding the Jews now. Huh? Who? Jews and Gentiles. So who? Everyone, well done. Old Testament, God made a covenant with Israel. New Testament, new covenant is with everyone. Because John 3.16 says that God so loved the whole world, not just the one. And so we have this beautiful example that covenant is that. So let's look at, first of all, the old covenant. All right, we've got to start. Before we can talk about the new, we've got to look at how the old looked like, isn't it? So there's a... New car. What was the old car like? Well, that's why you had to get a new car because the old car is like X, Y, Z. That's why we have a... Uh -huh. It's like you saying, my old phone is a Samsung, my new phone is a iPhone. That's it. The old is always going to be... Uh -huh. Anyway, so let's not get onto the phone stuff. So this working arrangement in the old covenant that God had with Israel, how did it look like? How did it look like? And, and so we know that He had chosen them the Israelites, for a special relationship that he, that he did not have with any other people or group on earth. And so the old covenant started with that. He said, I want to I reach out. I want to make a, an agreement. I want to make a, arrange a special plan for my people Israel. And he took, it started off with Adam. Went into Noah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We don't have time to go through all of those details. And then obviously it incorporated the nation that was formed out of Isaac or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob became known as the Israelites. And they, they grew. And, and we know the story that how they were promised, they promised land, and how they were taken out of slavery, and God promised them, and He 
And he said, I'll take you into this land, but I'm going to make a covenant with you so that if you listen to me, then certain things will happen and come your way. But if you disobey me, then there will be consequences to that. And so he gave them the clear conditions of this covenant. It wasn't just, oh, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can do. But he said, this is, I love you. And I want you to follow me. I want you to obey me. And if you do, then this will happen. And because God knew that man is sinful, and he was probably not going to obey him and everything, he brought in what we call a sacrificial system, part of the covenant. He's saying, this is how I want you to experience a certain form of redemption. He says, I'm going to bring in a system that you will need to make sacrifices so that through that you can understand that there's possible redemption. It's not going to be fully, but there will be a way for you to be cleansed, albeit temporarily from your sins and these sacrifices had to also be repeated over and over again. All right? And so in this old covenant, God further ordained priests. So part of the sacrificial system, there had to be people that, that, that deals with this and handles it and, and helps the people towards making these sacrifices. And that's what you find up there on the notes, is that God ordained priests to represent the people before Him as the people could never come directly into His presence. So somebody else had to come and, and appear before God on behalf of the people. So that's what the old covenant looked like. And, and even with all these things that God provided, the people as a whole was still unfaithful to him in this old covenant. And eventually judgment had to come. And the judgment at that time was people were taken into exile. But he still promised them. He said, I will still be faithful to you. And I want to read to you our first verses is in Jeremiah. Why don't you just go there with me as we talk about what God prepared the people for from the old covenant and saying, there will be something else actually that I will make available to you. And so let's look at that. Jeremiah 31 talks about this where Jeremiah says in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, the old covenant. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law on a tablet like I used to. No. It says, I will put my law where? Within them. And I will write it on their hearts and, and I will be their God and, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me because something has taken place in their hearts. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Say with me, no more. So the old didn't involve no more, but the new can involve no more. And so the old covenant looks like that. That it was something that God had to institute because the people were sinful and, and he brought in the sacrificial system and the priests and, and there were conditions to it, etc., etc. But God always knew that this was incomplete. And so hence, the new had to come. But let's quickly look at the weakness of the old covenant. Why we had to say the old was never going to do what, what it's supposed to do because they needed to be a... New, just remember N-E-W, new. 
So the weaknesses of the Old Testament, just, just four of them quickly I want to share with you, is that first of all, these sacrifices can never change anyone. Any sacrifice that in the Old Covenant, or even sacrifices that you make today, can never change you. If you do not believe in the ultimate sacrifice. And let's go to Hebrews. We're going to be diving into Hebrews a lot. And it's such a beautiful chapter. Talking about this complete work. That the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus accomplished for us. Let me just stop. Because I feel like we can run through this. And actually miss the beauty of what we're talking about. You know what? If you do not understand the beauty of the new covenant. You're still in bondage. Because if you live in the old covenant. You're in bondage. And this morning, and your actually perusal of this the rest of the week, is absolutely key. I think, you know, every morning there is an important message. But like, guys, this is important. That this new understanding of what the new covenant, or the understanding of what this new covenant means, is crucial for the way you and I live. Because we live in a new dispensation, but we often live with an old mindset. And that keeps us from experiencing the beauty of what the new covenant really has brought about for us. So please, can I ask you to take note of this? That's why I've given, I'm giving you extensive notes. And there will be the preach available on the, on the website. And, and if you need the notes, please ask us. Let, uh, let's see at the admin phone know that you maybe just need the notes to go through it. And take notes and take you know, please be attentive to what we're talking. Not because my preach. It's, it's the beauty of the new covenant that we need to grab hold of and embrace in our hearts. So the sacrifices in Hebrews 10 verse 1, it says the following. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. Listen to this carefully. For since the law, old covenant, has but a shadow of the good things, new covenant, to come. Instead of the true form of these realities, it's not the true form. It can never, say with me, never, never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year and even every day, make perfect those who draw near. So what these sacrifices are regular or how irregular they may be, they can never change us. Because they're incomplete. So even if I try my best by even coming to meetings on a Sunday and think that this sacrifice will bring me closer to God, you are depending on the sacrifice of the old covenant and you're not depending on the sacrifice of the new covenant that Jesus accomplished. So if I put my hope on the old covenant sacrifices, whether it's goats or bulls or coming to a meeting, I am not putting my hope in Christ. And so we can, that's what I'm saying to you. It's not wrong to come to a meeting. You're brilliant by being here. But if we sit here with a mindset, tick the box, done what I needed to do, you are missing it, my friend. You're living with an old covenant mindset by just ticking the box. But if you live with a new understanding of what Jesus has done for you, then you're like, Man, I'm thankful that I can come and gather with my friends, my, my brothers and my sisters, and I can celebrate what Jesus has done for me and, and, and marvel at that. The word you have me and, and used to, to um, try to describe that, it says, make perfect those who draw near. It's a Greek word, teleo, which means to bring to end stage by working through the entire process to perfect. So in other words, it's saying there's a process that you and I need to go through 
in life. And Jesus helps us to become more like Him. But a sacrifice by just even giving money cannot do that. The ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did has done that for us. We can never become more like God through our own effort. It is what He's done for us that makes us um, more like Him. The law could make us aware of sin, but not remove the desire to sin to make us complete. And so you and I, under the new covenant, can live with an understanding that, you know what, I don't have to sin. And you can actually live with a desire that says, I don't want to sin. That's what the new sacrifice or the new covenant does for us under Jesus. That I live with a desire that I want to live holy. That means being perfected. We're not perfect, but we are being perfected. And the ultimate will happen when we go to heaven to be with Him. But in that process, we depend upon His sacrifice. The second thing that the, that's weak about the old covenant is that, it, that the sacrifice of the high priest, all of the people could never remove guilt. And you see that in verse 2 of chapter 10. Hebrews. Otherwise, it says in verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. In these Old Testament, Old Covenant sacrifices, there's a reminder of sin. It remains there. So it cannot fully remove it, the guilt of sin. So you come to meetings Week after week. And you depend upon the meeting to deliver you from sin. Or from the guilt of sin. But it remains there. Monday you still sit with that thing. Whatever it is that you're trying to do. To sacrifice unto the Lord. If we're living with an old um, covenant mindset. It doesn't free us. If the old, test, old covenant was effective. The people would not have a continued consciousness of their sin. And David even says that my sin is ever before me. And so what the new covenant does, it removes the sin, but it also removes the reminder of sin. Who wants to come and remind you of your sin? The devil. The devil. And he says that the new covenant sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. You've got to do more, which is a lie. So he reminds you. But Jesus will never come to remind you of a sin. Because once it's removed, it's forever removed. New covenant. Old covenant says, oh, I'm conscious of my sin still. I'm such a bad person. And how many of you live with that mindset? I'm such a bad person. Don't raise your hand. But you know what? The evidence of you not fully understanding the new covenant brings you to the place of constant reminder of your sin. Do you understand that? So that's why it's so important that we say, this new thing has got to grip my heart. You've got to go sit and pray through this stuff. And don't just say, oh, that was a nice preach and then shelve it. Guys, this is absolutely key for us. That's why I'm saying to you, we are so aware of the new things in the, in the, in the physical realm. We're so often ignorant and oblivious to the new things that God has given us and done for us. The proof is the way we think. You still think, I'm a dirty, rotten, whatever. You don't live under the true freedom and liberty of what the new covenant means. The third thing about what this, these um, 
sacrifices, the weakness of the old covenant is that it could never fully and finally secure forgiveness. And verse 4 says that. For it is impossible. Say with me, impossible. It's a big word, that impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And I know we don't do the Mombe thing here and say, listen, let's sacrifice the Mombe outside. Maybe that can remove our sins. No, we don't physically. But there are other sacrifices that we depend on. Sure, I did something good for this person. I gave God some, you know, soap into the offering. And I depend on that. I have, I live a good life. I go around and I sit in a waiting room and I think, gee, I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm so glad that I don't, you know, behave like them. And I've got good things that I do. Uh Uh-huh. None of us think like that, hey. <laughs> but what we actually do is the bulls and the goats, we depend on the sacrifices. But yeah, that says it can never, ever take away sins. The fourth thing that the weak, as, a, as a weakness of the old covenant is that it's, the old was always going to be inferior to the new and have a temporary role to play. Go back one, two chapters to chapter 8 in Hebrews, and we read from verse 13. It says, in speaking of a new covenant, He, Jesus, make the first one obsolete. Obsolete. What does that mean? Anyone? What does obsolete mean, Mrs. Um, English teacher? (laughs) No longer valid. Oh, that's good. No longer valid. Outdated. um, Redundant. So it's no longer in use. So the new has come to replace the old. So in other words, if we do the old stuff and depend on the old ways, it's like, how many of you want the Nokia 1610? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> what do you want to do with it? Kill somebody because it's a brick. Eh? It's, a, it's a traditional weapon these days. Ma- weapon of mass destruction, they call it. No, no. The point is, we don't want to go back to the old. We want to want the new. And this is what The Hebrew author is saying, in speaking of a new covenant, he make the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. How many of us try to keep that alive? Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Let me just have that 1610 again. Those days, you couldn't even do an SMS with that phone. You could just, I remember. You could just basically, but it was great because at that time it was the best thing ever. Now we're like, oh, come on, it's a door stopper. That's all you can use it for. Um, point, oh, you can use it for your car when your car is like, you know, running backwards. You just stop it, put it behind the wheel. It's a massive thing that can do wonders. The point is we don't want to go back to the old. We want to experience the new. But please don't live like that in the spirit. We laugh at it in the physical. But in the spirit we want to live like that. It depends on the old. God never intended it to be the final revelation, the old covenant of His will for mankind. It was always intended to become obsolete or outdated. And so, if we understand the old covenant a little bit better, we will appreciate and value the new covenant more. That's why I'm saying, please read your Old Testament. And by the show of hands, don't lift your hands. How many of you really enjoy reading the Old Testament? Hmm, 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 hmm. But you know what? 
you can only appreciate and value. So many of you have never even seen a Nokia 1610. You're just living in this world of brilliant smartphones and stuff. You're like, what was that? Mommy, mommy, that makes me scared. No, no. Reality is that many of us don't fully understand what the Old Testament, Old Covenant is about, but it is a pointing towards the New Covenant and what is so incredibly beautiful about the New. So value your Old Testament. Because in it you see the incompletion of that and not, not judge it and not criticize it, but marvel at what Jesus came to do in the new. All right? And so then let's look at the new. We've now discussed the word covenant. We've looked at the old. We've seen the weaknesses or some weaknesses. The emphasis here in the new covenant is definitely on the word new. Well done. Well done. The emphasis is on the word new. And new really means discovered recently or now for the first time or something that's not previously, was not previously known. So the new has come into our lives and the new is what we want to talk about. And that's why over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this concept of new and celebrate it amongst us so that we can fully embrace the new and not despise the old, but thank God for the new. So what are these new realities that was not known of before, as the word new indicates? So we're still in Hebrews, 7, Hebrews, and we're going to go to chapter 7, and we're going to go through a couple of things. Hebrews 7, verse 18 to 19 says the following, For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the Lord made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So that better hope is the new covenant, is what God had come to introduce to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. In the old covenant, there's the law. It couldn't get us closer to God. But there's a better one that has come. And this is what we're talking about here in Hebrews 7, verses 18 to 19. In Hebrews 8, verses 6 to 7, it talks about the better promises. And let's read that. It says, but as it is, Christ, verse 6, you've got it up there. Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is, it, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. But obviously it's faulty. It's not faultless. The old covenant. Hence the need for a new and so we marvel at the new, but we've got to discover the beauties of the new to understand just what it has come to do. And so again, please go and study this stuff so that it not just becomes head knowledge, but transformation of your life. The new covenant is not just supposed to be known in our heads. It's supposed to become, become part of our lives so that it can transform the way we think and act. Hebrews 10 verse 5 talks about the fact that it brings contentment. Um, or Jesus was content to bring this to us. Let's read that. It's kind of like almost something that Jesus would have said before he came to earth. We know a lot of what, what Jesus said before he left earth. Uh -huh. But how many of you have considered what he would have said before he came to earth? And maybe this is something of that. In verse 5 of chapter 10 it says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, how many of you know that Christ was, was fully able to think, to perceive what he's supposed to do before he became a baby? 
So many times we think, oh, geez, that's when Jesus kind of entered the world, you know, as a little baby. No, no, no. He came to be a baby. He was God before and after and between. All right, so when he came to earth, it says the following, that he said, sacrifice, speaking to his father, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. Father, for a body you have, prepared, have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. So Jesus comes and he says, the old covenant you didn't really take pleasure in, Father, but you will take pleasure in what I have come and will come to do. So Jesus was prepared. He knew exactly what this new covenant was about. And he was content to give his life as a ransom for many so that you and I can live under the benefits of the new covenant. Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, as we hasten on, it says the following. As we talk about how, being, how the new covenant does the following for us. It says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the new covenant does this. It sanctifies us. It cleanses us. So we no longer live with the mindset of the old. Oh, I'm bad. I'm not useful. I've got a bad reputation. I've got a bad history. My background, nobody knows. You know, what we always say, you know, a, a leopard can never, or a, that's a leopard that's got stripes, eh? Spots. Spots. No, stripes. Stripes. Tiger's got stripes and a leopard's got spots. Yeah. No, no, other way around. Come on. But the point is, they can never lose what they have, they say. They say, ah, oh, once that, you've always carried that with you. And I think we live with that mindset that, you know, I've been striped by sin. I've been spotted by stuff. And I'll always carry that. But this new covenant comes with a promise that says, when we believe in what He's done for us, we can be cleansed. All those stripes and those spots can be taken away from us. But the Word of God promises us. The next thing that it says in verses 12 is that this sacrifice is a single one. It says in verse 12, But when Christ had offered for us for all time a single, say with me, single. Jesus did it once and for all. He doesn't have to do it again. Not like in the old covenant where they had to do daily, annual sacrifices. This was once and for all. It says a single sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. I love this thing of sitting again. Sacrifice done. He goes and sits. Hey? So when you and I, like we said earlier, when we go and sit in the grace of God, and I'm just relaxing in the knowledge that He's done it all for me. I don't have to do. So He went and sat at the right. Verse 13 says, waiting. Now let's read verse 14. For the, by a single, say with me, single again. By a single offering, He has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Again, that word perfection comes in. That by what He has done, He brings us to the place where we can say, I'm becoming more and more like Christ, not through my own sacrifices. The last thing is in verse 16 to 17, where it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my hearts. And this is quoted from Jeremiah 31 that we read. And so Jesus, or the author and Jesus, his own words, quoting, he's saying, This is how the new covenant will look like. You will walk around with it in your hearts. In your heart saying, ah, this is the right thing to do. 
that's the wrong thing to do. I don't walk around with these tablets and, and put them on the wall in my house. It's in my heart. How does it come, become part of your heart? That's the, that's the tricky one, isn't it? Because sometimes our hearts are so deceitful. We think we have the, the Word of God and, the, and the, 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 the directions of God in our hearts. But we have so many other things in our hearts. And that's why time in the Word, time together like this is so incredibly important for us. To get the Word into our hearts. Because it's from the heart that we need to respond. Not just from the mind. What the heart is full of, the Bible says, we will speak. So you've got to fill your heart with more of God. So that the new covenant that comes through the word in the New Testament can shape our lives and form us into what he wants us to be. I want to finally then just end up by asking you this question. Where do I find myself today? Old or new? Old or new? And there will be a number of verses that I want to give to you. And you can go through the, the first four there. Just put them up for me. Just click up to the next up to the first four, yeah. And, and each of these verses are, are examples that, that, please, you go study. You will find how people, when Jesus came into the earth, how they lived with an old mindset. They couldn't accept what Jesus came to do. Jesus would come and say, I forgive you. They were like, by whose authority do you walk around? Nobody has ever done this before. So they would say, this is something strange. This is absolutely new. And it's and it doesn't fit the old way in which we operated. And so they actually rejected what Jesus came to do. Because for them it was, no ways, this doesn't fit. They had authority and they're like, where do you get this kind of authority from? The new covenant Jesus introduces, he says, in relationship with the Father, there's authority that comes. Spiritual authority. It doesn't mean that you go around telling everybody what they need to do. But you live with an authority over the enemy. You don't, you're not submissive to Him. He's submitted to you by way of what Jesus has done for us. The new covenant is about a God who's willing to help and come to us. We read that in Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 14 says, The new covenant living includes healing of diseases and believing God for it. That's new covenant stuff. We can trust Him for healing. Huh? New covenant living includes total forgiveness from a forgiving God. Old covenant does not receive that easily. And that's what the people couldn't understand in that example. The next five, please, Tash, you can just go through. Matthew 9 talks about the new covenant living includes everyone and does not exclude anyone. So if you live with a mindset that oh, it's not for these people, it's just for some. That's an old covenant mindset, folks. The new covenant living is not about rituals, but relationship with the bridegroom. They came to Jesus and said, the disciples of John actually said, Oh, your disciples are not fasting. He was trying to tell them they're not doing what is supposed to be done according to the law. Jesus said, well, the bridegroom is here. Why would they fast now? Only when he leaves, then there will be a reason to just come in moment of crisis perhaps or just sanctifying themselves unto the Lord and saying, God, I just want to dedicate myself. I want to get rid of food for a day or two or whatever else it may be. That's when we fast. But they tried to say, under the old covenant, that's how you still should live. And that fasting is a good thing. But fasting is not a ritual that saves us. It makes us earn points with God. If we do fast like that, my friend, it's old covenant stuff. It has no value. Zip, nothing. 
And then Jesus talks about this new wine and the new wine skin in Matthew 9, 16 to 17. And I want to say to you that, that the new wine has many other things that it could involve. It's a different way of thinking and, and a new wine skin. But one of the beautiful things that the Bible talks about, it says, do not get drunk with wine, but be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. So in a sense, there's a wine aspect that is related to Holy Spirit that says, drink of Him. Let Him fill you. Become more filled with the Spirit than anything else. And the new covenant introduces us to Holy Spirit. So if you live in your own effort and say, oh, reading the Bible is so difficult. Doing the Jesus stuff is so difficult. You're living in the old covenant still then, possibly. You're not living in the power and the presence, awareness of Holy Spirit amongst you. Matthew 9.23, New Covenant Living is about expecting the unexpected and miraculous and not living under the limitations of the natural realities of life. When people say, no, I can't do this, can't do this. Old Covenant mindset. Matthew 39.32 talks about the fact that the people said, this can't be done, this has never been done. If you live like that and say, I don't know if God can. Old Covenant, Old Covenant. New Covenant says nothing is impossible for Him. And so the result of a new covenant living, I'm just going to give you these things. And please, there's no, not enough time for us to go through this in detail. That's why we give you homework on a Sunday. Really, seriously. Because we want you to not take hold of what we are saying, but we want you to take hold of what God is showing us as a church to go into and to make it real in our lives. So I'm going to go through these things just in short. First of all, and there are many more that we can talk about, but first of all, the result of a new covenant living is I depend on and believe in His blood sacrifice to cleanse and forgive me and not on my own sacrifices. Massive point there. Massive. You've got to sit and think about that and say, where potentially am I not doing that? Because if you are living on a dependence on own sacrifice, it's old covenant stuff. You've got to repent of that and come into the fullness of the new. Second thing is I involve God in every area of my life to recognizing that He is very interested in this. He wants to be involved. New covenant. He, he engages us. He comes and He wants to be involved in every intricate thing of your life because that is our Father. Expecting the miraculous or believing that He can is living in the new covenant. When we think of, oh my goodness, this is impossible. I could have, no, uh-uh. it's possible. I trust my Lord. I don't know how. And if He doesn't do it the way that I want, that's still fine. But I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. Not say, oh, it's never been done before. If you live with a never been done before, my friend, repent of that. I plead with you. And say, Jesus, nothing is impossible for you. The next thing is enjoying Him and therefore resisting fear and worry. Enjoying God and not living in the constant fear of what's going to happen next and what about this and have you heard? A new covenant reality is that my God is in control. Actually, my Jesus came to say, or our Jesus and Jesus came to say, do not live in fear. Look at the birds and the, and, the, and the plants and whatever else. They don't fear. They don't worry. That's new covenant reality. That we don't live in fear. What about my children and, and this and that? No, God is in control. The next thing about a new covenant reality is that I don't have to depend on a priest or someone else to mediate for us, but I can directly relate to Jesus. And this is a massive thing. I was actually driving down here, and, and, and I just happened to see a gentleman walking with a big shirt, and, and he had a, 
all sorts of, in, of word, um, biblical inscriptions on it. It's probably verses from the Bible. But, but a picture of a man. Person imprinted on the, on the shirt. Now, I don't know what it's about, but it just seems like this man is very important in that particular context. Church. Now, I'm like, hey, that's so dangerous because we can live with an old covenant mindset that the priest or the prophet or the pastor or the apostle or the bishop is the man. The man of God. And you all are men and women of God. And you can all directly go to God and approach Him without fear, with incredible liberty. But if we put people up there, and you put me up, you're living in old covenant. I'm not joining you in that. It's one of you are important. It's one of you are gifted and, and called and anointed by God to go and make a difference in this world. You don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit and you have Him. So if you live on, just take Him to the pastor. That's old covenant stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't you pray for them? Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you counsel them? And we can help you. We can equip you to do it. That's my task, is to equip you, not to impress you. Do you understand? New covenant reality is you and I are called to be missionaries into this world. You bring people to the church, that's fine. But you, the church, you primarily go. You've got to go be the salt tomorrow. You've got to go be the light. That's new covenant reality. We don't have a temple where people rush to and come and pay their whatever stuff and wait for the high priest to appear. Whoa, man of God is coming out, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Please, I'm not trying to mock. I'm just trying to shake us out of an old covenant mindset and live with the truth of what God's word says. Then there's a big thing that you've got to notice. New covenant living means that I repent not only of my wrongdoings, but I also let go of my right doings. I don't know if that is the right word to use, wrongdoings and rightdoings, but you know what I'm talking about. New covenant says, God, I'm so sorry for where I've gone wrong. But Lord, I'm also so sorry for where I've depended upon my rightdoings. That I've, well, that's qualified me. <laughs> sure, I've done well. I'm sad and I'm sorry about what I've done wrong. But don't become confident about what you're doing right. Because friend, that becomes a potential sacrifice that you're using instead of the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. So I implore you as I speak to myself, God, please help me not to depend, not to deride on, and to, and, and to use my right doings as something that will qualify me before you. Well done for what you're doing. Well done for the, all the right things and the right decisions that you make. But don't depend on them to qualify you. Don't let that become your identity before God. Jesus, you saw, hey? You saw that. Nobody else saw. You saw. I'm just so thankful that you saw. Because none of the others saw it. But I'm thankful you did. My right doing stuff. Let go of that. And then finally, living in the fullness of a joyful friendship with Holy Spirit is the beautiful fruit what it means to be in the new covenant. So discover more about who Holy Spirit is, would you? Because that's new covenant realities. And so I want to end by asking you simply, where are you? Are you in the old? Or are you in the new?
We're not in any way mocking and criticizing the old. We're thankful for the old because it prepared us for the new. And it opened our hearts for the new. And nothing more needs to be done. This is incredibly important. Nothing more needs to be done. There's, we don't have to have another new come. Once and for all, the new covenant has been introduced. It enables us. Peter says, we've got everything that we need for life and godliness is found. It's been done. So you've got to live in the reality and the fullness of the new. And don't go back to the old. Don't go and depend on what. And don't let the old, what you've done, keep you from the freedom that the new has brought into our lives. So Father, this morning, wow, I, I pray. Pray that you will help us, O oh Jesus, to live with a desire, first of all, to understand what the new is all about. That's who you are, Jesus. That's what you've come to do. To take us, to lead us into the new and to free us from the old and ourselves and our own efforts and our own sacrifice and our own right doings even. I pray, Holy Spirit, that this morning, by your Spirit, by your Spirit, I want to pray this, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, Help us to see this morning where the old is possibly still still playing a major role in the way we think and behave and look at you and look at people, look at ourselves. I pray, Father, that where the old is still incredibly strong in our lives and, and real, pray that you will see, help us see that. Help us to discern that the old is still alive. And help us to repent then, Lord God. To not depend on the old, but to walk into the freedom of what the new covenant is all about. Jesus, I pray that you will help us with this. I want to ask you, friend, if you're right there sitting, and you, this is real for you, that the old is playing a role in the way that you think and behave and consider God and consider your own life. I want to ask you just to stand and pray. Just say before the Lord, you're not going to, Asked to do that publicly. Just say, Jesus, set me free from an old mindset. Set me free from the, 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 the expectations of the old covenant. And help me to walk into the freedom of the new. If that's you, why don't you just stand? Say, Father, it's me. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free, God. And the old covenant would say to you right now that if you stand, others will think, poorly of you. That's very much old covenant thinking. If you think with a new covenant, you'll say, I know what my God says, and that is more important for me, what God thinks and what God says and what people think. And so, Father, I pray for a liberty for people just to stand. Just to stand and acknowledge they need you. We need you, Lord God. I, I recognize even in my own life, Father, so often I, I think with an old covenant mindset about myself that Oh, gee, I've messed up there. And if, what if? And will God and can God? And if we think of the impossibilities that we face in life, so often we think, I don't know whether God can do this or wants to do it. Pray, Lord, that you will forgive us. Just want you stand. Just before the Lord. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And there's no pressure on you. I just implore you to before the Lord. This is sometimes good moments where we can start something 
that God will take further. We just say before him, God, this is where I'm at. Please forgive me. Please release me of a certain mindset, and a certain way of operating, that I can come and walk in your freedom. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. You're doing it as an expression of your desire before the Lord to just say, God, this is where I am at. And this is where I don't want to stay. I want to go beyond this particular place. Father, we pray for your incredible grace on this. As we, over the next couple of weeks, continue to just investigate and discover the beauties of new. There's such incredible treasures in your word about new. And Father, I pray for us as a church that you will help us. Just as we are standing, I want to ask you all just to stand, would you? Just everybody stand to their feet and let's express this unto the Lord and say, Father, where I am, whether I'm perhaps a little bit stuck still in the old covenant mindset, help us all to get into the new. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we go from here, that you will be the after preacher, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will touch our hearts, that you will let this word, Lord God, grow stronger and deeper into our spirits, and that it will, Lord God, produce the fruit that, that you would want it to produce. So I just, Lord God, we, in a sense, we open up our hearts, open up our hands. Why don't you just, in a sense, open up your hands like that and just lift it. Say, Father, I want to, through this gesture, just say, I want you to speak to me about new covenant realities. And some of them will be revelation, perhaps even. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that my heart will be open to receive new covenant truths from you. Even as I go through this preach and, and other verses, Lord God, and, and other ways and that you want to speak to me, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak into our hearts about the new covenant and what it really has done and as actually can accomplish in our lives if we believe and live in it. And in the next, over the next couple of weeks, Lord God, I also pray that you, by your Spirit, will challenge us into the new, into the new, trusting you for this, Father. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We open ourselves to the new, Lord. Thank you, Father. I want to pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be sensitive to the new things in the Spirit more than what we are sensitive to the things in the flesh that are new. Help us for that, Father. Help us with that in Jesus' precious name.